welcome to the North Witch Podcast with your hosts, Azario Flame and Sandra Von Holland. In this podcast, we explore all the things that can help us to be better and improve our lives in body, mind, and spirit. Looking at everything from witchcraft, sorcery, woo-woo, spirituality, biohacking, the mundane, and everything in between. We occasionally have on guests from various backgrounds, practices, and philosophies. We welcome everyone from all walks of life, from the left-hand path to the right-hand path, from the medical to the holistic, from the woo-woo to the scientific and everything in between. We have conversations and discussions about our experiences over the years, what works for us, what hasn't worked, and explore new theories and science, trying them out, seeing what works, and debunking what doesn't. Thank you for joining us on this wicked adventure along the crooked path as we adventure into the mysterious and wonderful world and welcome what truly works for us to become better witches, sorcerers, magicians, and our best selves so that we can live our best lives. May these conversations help you to ignite the light within. The views expressed by our guests on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of us here at Northwich Magic Co. All of the information shared on this podcast is anecdotal and shared for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or financial advice. Always consult a doctor, physician, or professional in their field before trying any of the things that may be discussed on this channel. Magic and holistic healing should work alongside allopathic care when necessary. Hi, everybody. Here we are again with another episode of the Northwich Podcast. And today's guest is Holly Holmberg. Holly Holmberg is a clinical aromatherapist of 22 years. She's an intuitive holistic therapist who has worked internationally teaching aromatherapy, keynote speaking, and is a best-selling author. Plus, she is a practical herbalist, animal communicator, retired registered massage therapist, retired emergency medical responder, and a certified equine massage therapist. She's also a Reiki master, a Tongren practitioner, and a Canadian Navy veteran and former Olympic level biathlete. Holly and her husband own and operate Off-Grid Farm Apothecary and Botanicals near Rocky Mountain House, Alberta. They strive for sustainable stewardship of the land in harmony with the forest around them. The farm is a mixed operation of grass-fed livestock, professionally formulated aromatherapy products and herbal tinctures, and wild-crafted or sustainably grown herbs. They will be offering workshops pertaining to their off-grid lifestyle, wild harvesting, aromatherapy, wildwood wisdom, and first aid, plus hedgewitch practices and intuitive work in the near future. So welcome to the show, Holly, and thanks for coming on with us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. That's a big, big yeah. intro. So first of all, thank you for your service. We are so, so grateful for that, first off. Thank you. Important to recognize that in this crazy time, of course. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. So, but it is, that's, that's crazy. Let's not go there. So thankful. Thank you for your service anyways. So let's get into your wowness. Like, wow, I'm just, I'm so grateful for this, the connection with you and how, how we just realize how close we actually really are. And yes. you just have so much to you. So Let's go. Let's hear all things Holly. Fire away. What would you like to know? <laughs> oh, where do we want to start? I don't know. Do you tell us what is your most favorite thing in Holly's day? Let's start there. Oh, uh, actually, just like we're so blessed to have the land that we're living on. And um, I'm so blessed now that I've retired from a normal job and am home full time farming. Um, currently we're moving into lambing season. Uh, we raise sheep, we have meat sheep as well as dairy sheep. So we're expecting babies any day now. <laughs> so that, that is kind of my thing, you know, being with the animals, being with the land. Um, I grew up, I'm a third generation Canadian. Both my grandparents on both sides were immigrants. Um, my father's family come from Scandinavia. And my mother's family is Ukraine, Romania. So, you know, what's going on now? Yes, it does play into our family. But the biggest thing that I found is I learned very young. I always, I was always visited by ghosts or nightmares or whatever you want to call it ever since I was a little kid. And um, what I learned over time was I was actually an empath and I was seeing and I was working with spirit, astral traveling, all of that. And I thought it was just me, 
But then I find I find out that it's actually on very strong on both sides of my family. Um, my grandmother, my dad's mom, was considered a white witch, um, and traditionally, witches usually have like a, a white hair mark that naturally grows for them. Um, our family on that side, from what I understand, were more earth-based or natural kind of hedge witch knowledge. So for whatever reason, we don't have that. Um, although my hair is pretty blonde and pretty white and having a bad hair day hat thing. Um, and then on my mother's side of the family with the Ukrainian Romanian, um, we found out that there is actually a tie back to some sort of gypsy connection there as well. So, and this is something that I've just discovered uh, on my mother's side in the last probably 10 years. Oh, wow. So, that's pretty fascinating. I mean, I've always been partial to working with the Scandinavian, the, you know, the Nordic, the Viking and all of, you know, that sort of spiritualism. But then it's learning to find out about the Slavic side of things and, you know, trying to find information and seeing how, what's really fascinating for me is how with all the different cultures that when you get into the shamanism and the magics of it all, they're also very similar. I mean, sure, they may be using different plants because of just where they grew up or their origins or the countries that they're in, but it's basically the same in so many different ways. And that I've found fascinating and, you know, kind of drew me into the line of aromatherapy from being a little kid growing up on my parents' farm, finding, you know, unique rocks and things like that when the grader had gone over the yard to my dad going out hunting and, and taking us kids with them. And it wasn't always just about, you know, going out and hunting. We went out, we walked the land, we listened to the land, we watched the creatures, we talked to the animals, we, you know, spoke with the land itself. Um, I now know that my father was able to call animals in for the hunt. And that's something that I've been blessed with as well. And um, so it was, it was really fascinating because we got to know more of what was around us and how we worked with it and how we fit into that system instead of just, you know, being a human out in the bush kind of thing. So being a part of that nature. And that came from both my parents with their love of nature, their, their love of flora and fauna and gardening and such and herbs. And so one thing just kind of led to another. And uh, when I had my second child, um, she had a really bad diaper rash. And my grandmother on my mom's side was still living at the time. And she was in her early 80s. And she said to me, she says, sweetheart, in her thick Ukrainian accent, when, when, we, were to, when we had babes that had problems, we made an ointment out of, we grabbed, gathered the lavender flowers and put it into the animal fat. And we would put that on the baby's bum. Plus, we would use cornstarch and an oatmeal bath and that sort of thing. So at that time, uh, tea tree was all the rage. It had just come in. And uh, I had ordered some lavender. I made an ointment just out of uh, canola oil and beeswax and, and these uh, two essential oils. And my daughter's bum, when she had a diaper rash, she had fissures and, and blisters about the size of a dime and they were ugly raw just horrible so gave her an oatmeal bath like grandma had said put the ointment on put her diaper on put her down to bed now in the morning when we would wake up normally she'd wake me up because she'd be screaming because of her diaper rash and I, I have to tell you ahead of time that you know, none of the Zincofax or steroids or anything like that would work for her little bum. No matter what we did, nothing was working. So this was kind of a last ditch resort. And in the morning when I woke up, it was like, the baby's not crying. I like, what's going on? You know, normally yeah, she's that's alarming upset. then. Yeah. So I get up there and go to her room and she's, you know, awake and she's ooing and gooing and doing her thing. And I'm like, okay, that that's good. And, uh, I changed her morning diaper and her bum had gone from raw blisters to just faint red hue overnight with this ointment. And 
<clears throat> I was sold right then and there. It was like, no okay, kidding. I need Incredible. to know more, right? Yeah. So that started my education into the aromatherapy end. And then, of course, as I trained and learned more, um, I acquired my registered massage therapy through the aromatherapy as well. But then I took all of that knowledge into the barnyard and said, if we can do this with a human animal, why can't we do this with an equine? And horses are my forte. So, so yeah, so I took everything that I learned into the barnyard and uh, developed my own equine aromatherapy context, which is what led me to be teaching and keynote speaking aromatherapy in Australia years later. Oh, wow. So it's, uh, it just kind of evolves one thing into another. Right, doesn't it? That's incredible. So do you actively make tinctures and different uh, mixtures for equine people that are having things? Do you, is that I have actively past, part of you? Yeah, I have in the past, uh, you know, life has happened. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And um, now that we're settled on the farm and, and I'm not, you know, working a job or anything, and then I'm home, that is something that we're getting back into. I've always done, nice. you know, a product line, soaps, tinctures, oils, you know, the whole caboodle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you have to be careful because with the natural health directorate, you have to have all your ingredients listed. And as a clinical aromatherapist, you can't make any claims that it heals or prevents right. or treats or, you know, cause otherwise you'll be tagged with a malpractice suit, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you have to kind of do it in the sense of, um, you know, these are reputed to or historically used or, you know, those things. But I mean, over the last 22 years, I've had, when I had a full-fledged clinic, the results that I was getting were unbelievable. And I mean, now aromatherapy is pretty mainstream. You have lots Mm -hmm. of different multi-level marketing companies. You have people getting trained. Unfortunately, you can Google just about anything. And whether your information is accurate or not is another subject. But, uh, you know, you can learn so much online. And um, so, yeah, so it's for me now, it's kind of getting back to my roots, being on the land. Um, We're going to start commercial uh, herb growing this spring. And, you know, so that's where, you know, the teas and the tinctures and the aromatherapy and all of that will come into play. So just really getting back to my passion. I'm super excited about that because we live really close to you. Yes. (laughs) And and that's that's how we live too, is try to have everything as local as possible. So this is huge. This is great. So then not only do you do all of the earth things, you also do metaphysical. So can you tell us a bit about that? So with, with my gifts, um, I guess the big one that we were discussing just before we went on air was I do um, something that we have labeled as quantum soul mechanic. So what I'm able to do is work with a client, practitioner, whomever, and mostly if they're feeling lost, disconnected, um, suicidal, and that's actually how we discovered it. I was working with the mutual friend of Azrael's and I at a, um, at a metaphysical event. And there was a young friend who is now also a mutual friend of Azrael's and I, and um, he was suicidal. And he had a bunch of drawings uh, at that show. And he was in discussion with another friend and I, and he was, you know, saying, you know, I'm really down. This is where it's at. I've tried suicide. Um, I'm probably going to be doing it again here. Like the young man was so, so low. And um, it was just devastating. And, and my friend said to me, she said, we really have to do something for him. She says, you've got to do your voodoo. She says, I know you can do this. And I looked at her and I says, I don't do much. I'll just calm him down, do some meditation, you know. So when I did it with him, what I was able to do was took him through um, kind of a rocking verbal meditation back to his home origins or home planet or dimension, whichever you want to call it. And at that time, he was being plagued quite badly by what most people would consider demons. And 
I had to, once we got back to his home planet or universe or dimension, um, we found out that there's really there's demons, but they're not really demons. They're just another dimension, another entity, just as is as we are. And unfortunately, the way they communicate and behave and such like that, we can misinterpret as something that is evil or bad or or that and it's not always their intention i mean just like us we're good until we're not kind of thing but um they were they were plaguing him quite badly which was the source of his depression so when we connected him and grounded him and were able to find out that this is what was going on he was then able to understand the communication that they were coming through with him better and realized that they weren't tormenting him and trying to, you know, he almost felt like they were trying to kill him or take his soul or that sort of thing. And, and we then understood in discussion with one of their hierarchy that this was not the case. They were communicating for him with his drawings and how to draw and, you know, the energy that he worked with. And the other thing we found is that in all of his drawings, he was putting in these unique little characters in the drawing and what they were is actually sigils. So he oh, wow. was pulling these sigils from all of these communications that he was having with these darker deities would be, I guess, the most polite way to put it. And then these deities that he would be drawing down would speak to individuals and those are the individuals that are buying his work or you know putting in books or whatever the case may be so long story short when i did finished you know what i was doing with him which took about 45 minutes it shifted him so that he could understand what was going on and he didn't want to kill himself anymore because he now knew that this subject matter was not you know tormenting him but the other thing that was uniquely that happened is as my girlfriend stood there on the side, kind of just, you know, keeping people from bothering us too much. She said, you could feel an entire wave of energy go through the building. And she says, people just kind of fluxed around us and just stood and watched. And she says, you could almost see like this wave of energy coming off as I was doing this work. And she's like, I don't know what you did, but she said it was pretty phenomenal. And, you know, yes, if you can take someone who's suicidal, wanting to kill themselves that day and have them shift completely so that they're okay and willing to talk to, you know, either support people or others in order to help them through their traumas and such like that. But to be able to move it from, I'm going home to blow my head off to, you know what, I'm okay, I can get through this now, I feel better, the weight is lifted off my shoulders, and I realize that I just need to talk to someone, whomever that may be. So like my husband says to me, he says, you know, you've prevented someone from suicide. He says, what greater gift is it for the healing energies that you have? And I mean, I'm still sitting here so humble. It's like, yeah, well, it's just what I do. It's not a big deal. And, you know, right. and people are like, no, it's a big deal. Right. So, oh, that's powerful. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's fascinating for me because I get a lot of visuals and it's, it's an adventure because I get to see all these different dimensions, all these different connections, you know, and it was a real revelation to learn that just because it might look as what we've grown up in a very Christian kind of Western world to believe as a demon isn't, isn't in that context, that it is another entity, another being, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a malicious, you know, trying to do what we've been taught in the Western world that these things want to do. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's very cool. Okay, so we actually do have a couple listener questions here for you. Um, so the first, yeah, basically, uh, they're asking with the craziness that is going on in the world and with your expertise <laughs> in aromatherapy and in herbs, do you have any oils or oil blends or herbs that you would recommend for helping people with calmness or for helping people to get a little bit more vitality so that they can kind of 
get a little bit of help with their anxieties and depressions and things that are going on with the crazy, wonderful world that we live in right now? Yes. Um, the ones that I would be looking at initially um, are heavy essential oils for grounding. So we're looking at things like uh, patchouli is a good grounding one, if that's uh, you know a scent that someone likes. Some people who grew up in the 60s can't stand it for obvious reasons. Um, vetivert is another one that's really good for grounding. You take a couple drops of that and just rub it on the soles of your feet before you go to bed. It helps calm, quiet the mind and relax. Um, sandalwood is uh, another one that's coming to mind. And I recommend um, an Australian sandalwood because that tree is not as endangered as we find our Indian sandalwoods and such, which have been over harvested. And what sandalwood will do is it'll balance all the chakras at the same time. So not only is it grounding, but it goes through the body and it aligns all your chakras right from your root chakra through to your crown. And it's also um, a very lovely woody scent. So I mean, taking a drop of that and then just even on your pulse points, your wrist, soles of your feet diffused in the room. Um, another one that's actually really good is just regular sweet orange. It relaxes and calms, but it's still very uplifting. So it helps with the anxiety. It helps with the depression. It helps with that angst that we have at this time. Um, I mean, there's those who will like lavender, but for a lot of people, lavender is overused and they, they don't like the scent of it. So that's kind of why I didn't go with that one right away. Um, chamomile either Roman or German is also good, but that's there again, it's an oil that's a little more pricey. So your patchouli, your vitivert, your sandalwood, your sweet orange, those are some pretty easy ones. Um, patchouli, vitivert and sandalwood are all base oils. If you look at a perfume scale, it would be a base note. Um, sweet orange would be a top note. And then uh, your lavender and your chamomiles will be your middle notes. So if you're wanting to do a blend, we usually say take a, a base note, a middle note and a top note and just work with those. So <clears throat> you could also look at um, another uh, citrus essential oil, which is bergamot. And that one will help. It's really good for for calming and relaxing, helping people who are grieving. So with the heavy energies that we have, we're grieving so much and the change is, and basically we're just grieving change because everything's happening so fast. And with all of the solar flares we've been getting and the other universal shifts and such that are going on, staying grounded is, is really key at this time. And just relaxing, and breathing and staying as positive as you, as you can, because I mean, it only takes 1% of us to be focused on being, you know, unified and mentally and emotionally making this shift in order to change, you know, the 99% of the world to come into alliance with peace and quiet and positivity and, you know, in a better, better world, better universe. So. So those are some of my picks that I would say off the top of my head. That's awesome. That's a little bit probably more in depth than they thought they were going to get. So that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I have another question here for you from our Patreon listeners. And they are asking, since you are a head witch, do you have any tips or tricks to get more in touch with the land and learn how to communicate with the flora and the fauna so that you are able to establish better relationships with them for their magical workings. Ah, uh, grounding. So, or earthing. So, you know, granted right now when, you know, some of your listeners may be in the States where they actually have warm weather and no snow, <laughs> lucky them. Lucky them. Uh, but with us Canadians right now with two feet of snow out, it's kind of tough. But really what I recommend is, you know, getting out there, taking your socks and shoes off and, and earthing, walking on the ground with your bare feet or just even standing on the grass. Um, <clears throat> there are some areas where, yes, you need to be concerned about, you know, parasites and things like that. So, you know, find a nice clean spot, stick your feet in the grass, wiggle between your toes. In the winter time for me, 
I go out and I just sit, find a quiet spot protected from the wind and the cold and just sit and just feel and listen. And, and that's the biggest thing is just to quiet yourself the same as you would for a meditation and just listen. And, you know, you'll hear the wind in the trees, you'll hear the trees creaking. And if, if you're quiet with the trees and you focus your intention on them, you will hear them. And, and I have a standing joke out here on our farm that uh, it's really difficult to get a poplar tree to start talking to you or an aspen. But once you get them talking, the real trick is to get them to shut up because they <laughs> love to chatter. They love to chatter. But I mean, I totally agree. Yeah. And then, you know, working with your other trees and that, I mean, consider when we have such a diverse people on the other side of this, um, just sitting quiet with, you know, your, your space, your environment, whether it be in a park or whether it be, you know, out in nature and, you know, politely asking the, the font or the flora, you know, I would like to be here. Is this okay? And I mean, you don't even have to be like physically verbal. You can do it in your mind's, you know, voice and such. And just, really stilling and being quiet and when you hear those thoughts that you have to understand that that is really nature conveying to you you know um with the work that i do with the animal communication a great thing is is like with horses they'll send pictures through your mind that you wouldn't normally have um cats and dogs will send thoughts and words through your mind that you won't normally have when you're out in nature, um, the trees will speak to you. And it's almost like, for me, it's kind of like a hum and a knowing. Um, and you just, a lot of feeling, a lot of pictures, not necessarily something that's a sentence going through your head, uh, just a knowing. So I think everybody is actually communicating with nature. It's just as a human animal, we've been so wrapped up in our world that we haven't slowed down to just sit and be a part of nature, which we really are, and listen. So we all have the innate ability. It's just, we're not practicing it and we're rusty at it. Isn't yeah, that key? For sure. For sure. It almost should be part of our, if not daily, at least weekly, to take the time and be with nature. And I know like sometimes in the city, maybe that's harder and we are all blessed that we live a rural life so maybe we take it a little bit more for granted than we should and and I actually I shouldn't say that we take it for granted because I think we all do know how truly blessed we are and so grateful for where we get to live and be in nature all the time so wouldn't you suggest maybe to our listeners that they try and be recognize that and the importance of that and how that can shift for them if they take the time to do that to connect somehow with nature yeah, like, I mean, if it's raining, go out in the rain and just be still and feel the rain. Feel, you know, feel the emotion behind it. Feel the, the wetness of it. Feel the energy that comes from it. Uh, same thing with snow. I mean, we're so blessed up here that when we do have those big postcard kind of flakes and such coming down, that it acts like a complete muffle for everything around us. And it is so quiet and it is so peaceful. And then it's times like that, that you can really hear nature coming through, you know? So just experiencing all of your different um, seasons and environments and elements when it comes to being in nature. And I mean, when I was in the military, I mean, I was living in either Halifax or in uh, Esquimalt in, on uh, Vancouver Island, because I mean, I was in the Navy, so I was in a city. And it was really important to go out and walk and be in parks and, you know, and stick your feet in the grass and, you know, sit on the uh, side of the beach and dig your head, your feet into the sand or the pebbles or, you know, that sort of thing and smelling the ocean. And so, I mean, it's the same thing wherever we're at, being able to get to that park, if you're not able to get, you know, out of the city, but to go to a park and just sit and be calm and be quiet. And then even if you can't do that, if you're, if you're in an apartment so that you can take like, say a favorite houseplant, 
and just sit with that house plant and connect to that house plant that is nature too and and that will you know fill you just as well as being able to to go out somewhere because not everybody unfortunately has the opportunity to get out of the city and connect with nature like we're so fortunate to do exactly so yeah bring nature to you really exactly yeah Do you have the there next one go. or sure? Oh, Cause I got it. I got more. So you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you go ahead. Go I on. see. Well, I see you have some more from our listeners. So do them first. That's great. Um, well, Holly kind of touched on the one there. Uh, it was just, do you have any tips or tricks for people to connect to nature in, that live in the city or in apartment buildings? Um, so I, I think that we really covered that really nicely with the, connecting to plants and stuff in there. And then um, another question I have here is, um, do you find that connecting with all five of your physical senses when you are taking the time to commune with nature is beneficial or is it more just a sitting in a silence that is more important? I think for me, um, it, it's basically when you're connecting and you're sitting quiet, uh, you you instinctively connect with your different senses. Um, you know, with that being said, I'm not for anymore in eating spoonfuls of dirt kind of thing, you know, to, for taste <laughs> thing. But I mean, um, so for example, we have here in North America and, and especially in our boreal forest belt, which is where we live, the three of us, um, the black poplar or the poplar tree Aspen, for, for some of those to understand, uh, they produce a really sticky, resinousy spring bud. Now, if you've ever had a dog or a cat or been out in the woods at that time, or even in the city, and you get these nasty little buds that get stuck on your car, and they pull the paint off, that's the black poplar bud. Now, with that, that that resonant smell that comes from that is a very good, um, uh, you know, scent for us to, you know, to, it's a spring scent, right? It's a very balsam spring scent. So, I mean, you know, there's that kind of scent. If you're in an area where there's uh, conifer trees, you've got that kind of scent. Um, for those who are fortunate to be living on, you know, either coast, you know, you've got the smells of the ocean, you've got the smells of the seaweed. And I know some people probably gag at that thought, but I mean, it's one of my favorites, right? So, you know, when you're sitting quiet, it's, it's not just a matter of sitting quiet. It's a matter of opening yourself up, opening to feel whatever it is you're sitting on, the ground, the grass, the tree, the whatever, opening to smell the smells of your environment, uh, hearing you know, your birds, your, your animals that could be moving the rustles of trees and grasses and things. So when you're sitting out there, you're not just sitting quiet, you're just really opening yourself and grounding yourself and connecting with that nature. So to say you sit quiet, or to say, do you know, do you connect with your different senses? For me, it's part and parcel, how can you sit out there and not connect? If you know, and, and granted, some people might overthink it too much, but don't just go sit, relax. I mean, maybe to start with, if it's not something you're comfortable or, or used to is, you know, make a little picnic, take a jam sandwich or whatever out and just, you know, go out and relax and, and enjoy that and quietly eat your sandwich and listen, see what you find, see what you hear, see what you see. You know, there's insects, there's birds, there's mosses, there's mushrooms, there's everything out there. Fantastic. That's, I think that's some great advice. Uh, don't overthink it and just go out and actually do it. That's a very important thing. All right, Sandra, you had some more questions there, you said? Well, I'm, I'm curious about more of your quantum soul mechanics. I'm curious about that. And can you lead us through that, how that works? And is there, um, does there always have to be a goal or does it, you start with your client with that and see where it leads or can you explain that? I'm, I just think it's fascinating. I want to know more. <laughs> You're going to have to ask again because you froze on me. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Our, our lovely internet. Um, <laughs> I want to know more about the quantum soul mechanics that you do. Yeah. Do you, is it only for specific people or can you use that with any of Anyone. your clients or yeah. Okay. Anyone. Um, and what it usually is, most people who are coming to me with it, they, they are looking for something specific. Um, like our one mutual friend, Hillary, um, she had done a post here uh, a few days ago. And she said, um, does anybody feel, anybody else feel like their planet no longer exists or their home no longer exists? And, and I'm like, your home's always existing. It's not going anywhere. And then, you know, and this is what I said to her. And she says, well, I had a client that he was devastated because, you know, his home or his planet is, is gone. And I said, it's not gone. I said, everybody is dimensional shifting now. So, I mean, he may have, the, the planet may, or the home may have been located on 49th street for eons. But now with the dimensional shift that we're having, it's now located on 149th street. So it's still there. It's just, you need to go a few, few blocks down. So for example, with that client, um, just in the conversation with her, we were able to help him redirect and refine where his planet was. Cause I mean, this person was absolutely devastated that home was gone and how could I be an orphan? And it's, you're not an orphan, it's just things have moved. And for, for everybody, it's a little bit different. Um, I've had one client that was looking to, she didn't know what she wanted to connect to. And basically what we did is usually when I start, because um, of the amount of uh, astral work and such that I've done, universal work, I usually start by taking them kind of out into the universal energy, kind of like a big ocean full of stars and you just kind of float there and then what happens is it seems like it's almost like we're grabbed and we're pulled instantly to wherever is next needs to be and with this uh client what happened was is we started out in in the sky kind of universe lake ocean and then all of a sudden it went deep into the ground and all i could see was like dirt rocks dirt rocks and then all of a sudden it was like uh you know the magma layers and then you hit this huge cocoon and it was crystals and there was almost like a a big flame pit and it's like she came through into the through the the dirt and everything into the crystals and then she stepped up onto like a dais with this flame engulfing her and it burned away all of the crud and it allowed her to crystallize so that she had a crystalline body which is where this deity or this energy for her for her dimensional home was it was deep in the earth with a crystalline body so then from there it kind of moved from a crystalline cave situation now that she had her purified crystalline body that we were able to kind of be drawn again through this kind of quick little vortex or wormhole or whatever you want to call it. And it was through, you know, almost like a purification of water where you have that beautiful turquoise, you know, Bahama style water and then out up onto the surface and where the sun actually hit her. And it's like taking, you know, a clear quartz crystal or something like that and holding it in the sun and just seeing all the different facets shine and everything like that. So, so, I mean, that's what I got on my side. She got some aspects of that for herself in her mind's eye, but she, when we were done, she felt so light. She felt so connected. She felt, you know, like she had a crystalline power that she didn't recognize from before and, you know, when I told her what I had seen and what the transfer, you know, transformation and such, and she's like, it just makes so much sense now. So for her, it was almost like a purification of a resonance for her within her body. So now that she was able to go forth and, and do, you know, the work that she had lined up for her, you know, and then um, others that I've worked with, well, like our friend Hillary there, uh, you know, connecting her back to 
her her fairy realms and her earth realms and and all of that you know and then you know the different dragon entities and energies and things like that to come into play so it's um it's really quite fascinating you know in that respect and you know Azrael, for you like i always get and i mean i know the work that you do but i always get a lot of flame and a lot of you know that demonic stuff that you do but it's not it's not that it's I mean I know that's the work you do but it's also at the same time it's your essence it's your energy yeah. it's what you are so I mean for you and I to play like that one day I'd love it because it'd be so cool to see more of the dimension that that is home for you and you know and yeah, to see absolutely. the different the different entities and such that would come forth with that right so so yeah each person is is quite unique and each person is is very fascinating um i've connected with a lot of um elemental realms in respect of the fairies the dragons you know the brownies things like that and i find them to be kind of closer closer to our earth realm um there's been lots of star seeds finding their different homes um I've had two crystalline entities. One was the client I work with. Another is a, is a very good friend of mine. And, you know, it's fascinating because you, some days you're just with them and you can have a look up and you just see this beautiful crystalline body before this flesh skin suit that this dimension covers us with, you know, falls back into place, right? So, yeah. And then, you know, there's just, there's so much more out there. It's quite, it's, it's really just fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, fascinating. That's, that's super cool. Yeah. You guys really will need to do a little travel business together. Cause I think <laughs> yeah, that, would be, sure. that would be incredible to see what came of yeah. that. Well, we'll have to set up a play date. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, it sounds like uh, to me, like with the training and stuff that I have, it sounds very similar to, um, what what I would call like a shamanic journey and that kind of thing. And, you know, traveling the, the world tree to the upper world, lower world and middle world and, you know, finding your place in the universe. So it's very, very cool. And I, I, I love how it seems like it just comes so naturally to you, you know, like I had to do years of training to get to even a quarter of what you're describing. So that's, that's fantastic. And do you do that during, like, do you do it? You and your clients, are you, do you go through a meditative state to do it? yeah kind of it's um that's the best way for me to describe it um like i've done i prefer to do it in person because it's always easier it just it just is you connect better but i've done it like over zoom calls i've done it over phone calls um i've done it with just like even a photo or an intent like i was saying i was ha having that discussion with a mutual friend of ours about her client <laughs> so just you know even and I mean, as, as you know, getting people together and discussing things and the energies connect and it just causes it to just go whoosh. Like, I mean, accelerate, amplify and everything. So, so it's, for me, it's not that I can't control it. It's just that it seems to get amplified and that's the purpose of me doing it is, you know, if I'm grouped with a bunch of these people, it goes out. Um, I know the one I was at a retreat in the northern Toronto area here a couple years ago, and it was um, a retreat based on love energy. And we were using uh, harmonic residents. Um, they were what they are is they're kind of like a machine that um, sends out if you record your voice into it, it'll send out a resonance to help you amplify and, you know, all those same thing we do is when we do in a meditation, but only in its electronic sense, it helps assist with this sort of thing. So that was the gist of the, of the, um, the retreat. But what we found is when we sat in circle, because we were all gifted practitioners of different sorts, um, I had a circle of about 12 people and we were able, I was able to take all 12 of them on a trip, if you will, and connect with everywhere they all needed to go 
and yet they were able to experience it at the same time. So if person A went to a, a crystalline dimension and person B went to say something like uh, the movie Pandora or something like that, or, or Avatar, I should say, you know, so all 12 people were able to visualize everybody else's dimension. And it was so it was kind of like a, a road trip. You know, we all went on this cosmic <laughs> road trip. And, and it was really fascinating for them because that's it's that's cool. so cool. You know, I didn't know that existed. Or I didn't know that happened. I didn't know I could do that. Or I didn't know you could do that. Or, you know, so for everybody to kind of see it, it's like, let's jump on the magic carpet and go for a ride kind of thing. So it was fun. And it's, <laughs> it's something awesome. that's always kind of growing. And it's kind of like, well, I didn't know I could do that. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is very cool. Yeah. That, um, so now that things have opened up here, will you be doing some of those sort of things at your place at all? Because I just I picture that as being an amazing experience with you. It, it's the thought that we've had originally was to, you know, to host things like that. But for me, um, I'm a very private person. Uh, my husband's also a very private person. And I mean, with the, with the work I do, um, I don't really like people, but I like people, I guess, right? you know, and we and like people, but we don't want them at our, in our space people. Yeah. And we always refer to our land here as our sanctuary. So I know that when I do do a workshop and I did some workshops last year um, with all this COVID stuff, I mean, it's been a damper. We were ready to set up and go, but I'm, you know, everybody had to kind of shut down and tone down. Um, I know that when I do, have these workshops lined up to start happening that of course the only the people who are meant to be will come so right. I mean that's always that um, but that's kind of that's the thing is I am I'm not just inviting you to a workshop on my farm I am inviting you to participate in a piece of my inner core my inner life my inner everything and um, I think you know, we all have those boundaries where, you know, this is home and we need to watch what we bring into home. Right. Absolutely. So, so that's kind of been my dilemma. It's like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, I definitely want to do this, this, and this, and this. And then I sit there and go, do I really Ooh, want all these people in my house? <laughs> so, and I mean, I consider our whole property, my house, not just the cabin that we live in kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, so I know that as you know, the universe talks to me that the right people will come at the right time for the right event. And um, yeah, it'll, it'll work and it'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Just, it's not set in stone. It's not in the daytime or right now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I think all practitioners um, can relate to that, can understand. Absolutely. That. So, you know, if you have a, a certain space that you do workshops versus, you know, your own private practice where your, you know, your altar is fully exposed and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah, yeah very much. Yeah, absolutely. I know he has a list. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, just, I'm just going over my list here. We're good. I, we've covered most of the listener questions. Um, I guess one of yeah, we've pretty much covered everything in what you've said here for what our listeners had to ask. So I think we can just carry on from there. So that's that's awesome. Uh, um, what about so, yeah. your, you are a published author. Do you want to tell us about that? Hmm. So it is a, a book that I contributed to. It's not just my own book. Um, and what it was called is Sacred Hearts Rising, and it was uh, a group of women that went through, and uh, the subject matter in the first book was uh, discussing trials and tribulations, so whether it was uh, physical abuse, child abuse, um, rapes were discussed, divorces were discussed, child loss was discussed, and it was really an empowerment to see how we had gone through what we did, grew from that, healed from that, and were able to um, tell our story and allow others to read it and help them understand or help them through their traumas, their, you know, 
their heartache, their, their life struggles, right? Um, I didn't think much of it at first. And then I was at, uh, I was at a taboo sex, uh, yeah, taboo sex show in Edmonton with a vending booth. And I had the books up on a shelf for sale. And I had a lady come up to me and I didn't know her. And I mean, you know, this is a major show. We've got, you know, three, 4,000 people coming through every day, if not more. And she comes up and she stands there in front of my booth and she's looking at my booth and she kind of looks around and she's spies the book up in the corner. And then she looks at me and she looks at the book and she looks at me. And then you could see just this look on her face. And I mean, the initial look she gave me, I'm kind of like, okay, am I going to get like torn a new one or, you know, what's happening here? It's kind of like, this isn't good look kind of thing. And then she comes up and she says, tears start coming down her face. And she says, can I give you a hug? And I'm like, sure. You know, cause I'm a hugger. I, I can do that. And she gave me a hug and you could just feel her just dump into the ground. And she says, thank you. You saved my life. And oh, I said, gosh. pardon me, your story in that book saved my life. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't understand. And she said, she grabbed the book and she flipped through it. And she said, this is you. Cause she turned to the picture that was in the book of me. And I'm like, yeah. And I had written about, um, my abusive marriage that I had gotten out of. And she said, what you went through is the same thing that I'm going through. And reading your story helped me have faith and understand and move forward and plan how to get out of an abusive relationship. Because she said, I've been physically abused and my next step was gonna be the cemetery because that's how bad it was for me. And I'm like, oh, God, honey, like, no way. And she's like, yeah, she says, you were able, reading your story gave me the courage to be able to get out. So it's kind of like, you know, most people when they, like, even when we were talking before we started recording, you know, you're just kind of like, wow. And I'm like, it's what I do. It's who I am. And I mean, my husband and I met online and you know, normally when you start discussing in a relationship or, or you're meeting each other, you're wanting to know more about each other. So um, he told me all about himself and he says, you know, Ted, you're it. So, I mean, I rattled off a bunch of things that I did, kind of like you see him in the bio there. And, and I said, well, that's me in a little nutshell. And his response back at that time was, that's a big fucking nutshell. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm just like, this, this is who I am. This is what I do. I mean, I, you know, if you can't be authentic in your own life, then what are you doing? Yeah. Then what are we doing here? Absolutely. And how powerful that is, Holly, about telling our stories, because so many times the fear holds us back and we never want to talk about what we've ever gone through. But Time and time again, whoever, whenever you do tell your stories and those that do, it's amazing the difference we all yeah. can make in others, right? Yeah. And at that time, um, the father of my children was still living. Uh, he was undiagnosed bipolar. We'd lived together. You know, we were married for over 20 years and we didn't know he was bipolar. Um, and then, like I said, life happened and, you know, the relationship ended and uh, for four years, not quite four years after our divorce, uh, his mental health had gotten so bad that he ended up taking his life. And um, our children were, uh, Deanna was just over 18. And my son was 22, 23 at the time. And so, I mean, that devastated both of them, you know, they watched their father, but then with my daughter, she has similar mental health issues as to what her father did. So, you know, that was just kind of a springboard for her finding a difficult understanding as a young woman, you know, both of my kids have said, you know, what did we do so wrong that dad didn't want to be with us anymore? And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's not that. And, and they understand that, but that's the feeling that they have. 
And unfortunately for my daughter, it's been such a very difficult struggle for her with her mental health, the loss of him and everything else like that, that, um, you know, she's turned to addictions and, and things like that. So, I mean, she's been clean and sober now for well over 90 days, but, um, you know, it's mental health is such a big part of it and, and understanding and supporting and, and sometimes just the fact of you're there and you're able to just sit with them quietly is all the support that they need. But, um, it's, uh, it's a crazy, insane you know, road to go down with the mental health work and stuff like that. And, and I guess maybe that's part of where, like with my metaphysical work, what I do and, you know, and that young friend, mutual friend of ours that I did, you know, helped him with his suicide prevention and stuff. I guess maybe that's why that resonates so much with me, you know, and growing up, um, I'm the youngest of three. My middle brother was born with an incurable bone disease. Um, you know, they told my parents when he was five that he would never make it to five years of age. He would never walk, talk, or be a normal boy. Um, well, he graduated high school with honors, and then he went on to, uh, you know, do computer studies and things like that. And with his disease, um, the average age for someone to pass at was 40 years of age. Like if they made it past 40, it was a miracle. Well, my, my brother died at uh, 52 due to an unrelated issue with, uh, you know, so he didn't die from his disease. He died to something unrelated, still a health thing, but, you know. So, you know, that's part of where getting back to nature and all the herbs and, and natural healing as well has come as well, because, I mean, I grew up with it. I, I knew no different. And the mental health struggle, I think, um, I think with my brother's physical struggle and understanding, because he had 26 operations in the first 14 years of his life just to keep him walking. Oh. And growing up with that, you know, what choice did I have but to be a healer? Because here I was, a, a kid sister, you know, helping him you know, not maybe changing bandages, but I mean, here, I'm, you know, I'm getting stuff, bringing books home from school, you know, that kind of thing. And I guess maybe that was a good, good foreground for the, the work that I've been doing and, and, you know, the path that my life has been on with helping and, and being a support person for people with mental health, you know, so it's, you know, that's kind of, part and parcel of it when I'm doing the quantum soul work to, to help people reconnect um, just feeling the lightness and seeing the light go on in their eyes when you connect them with home that you see that depression that darkness that struggle lift you know for me it's like well you know I feel lighter because they've been lightened you know they found home I mean, I know where my home is. And I mean, as a little kid, I'm sure many of us, we looked up into the stars and waited for some aircraft to come and take us home because this place is crazy and I don't want any more a part of this. I'm done with this, right? I'm, and right now, I think we all think that, you know, with current uh, issues <laughs> yeah. going on in the world. But, but yeah, for me, it's if I can help them find that peace, then why wouldn't I? Why would I hold that back? Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing all your gifts and making such a big difference, Holly. Well, wow. thank you for listening. <laughs> for sure. We, we can I, I think that's on. another cool thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's another cool thing too that a lot of people that are going through these hard times don't realize is lots of times I feel personally with the trials and tribulations that I've been through and, you know, the things that you've been through that those really give us that experience and that empathy to be able to help others that are going through similar things. And that can really be something that can help grow your abilities and grow your skills. So it's really cool that you were able to notice that and latch onto that and really just become who you were supposed to be and, you know, kind of take the best out of the bad and turn it into a way to help others. And I think that's really, really powerful. Yeah. Well, when we dig into shamanic history, I mean, for both you and I, how many times have we read that the shaman had to go through some tragic 
deep life and death, you know, major struggle before they come out on the other side. And they were, you know, they had the powers and gifts and things that they have as a shaman or as a healer or, you know, as a, as a priest or, you know, how, whatever they are there, we all go through some sort of period of, you know, a test period, a growth period to get us out onto the other side. And I think as horrible as it can be, we, we really get a chance to maybe not always understand our gifts, but we definitely learn how to use them more. You know, we definitely get more grounded with them. We definitely get to know them. We get to see the ugly in ourselves and, and face it and say, you know what, there's dark and there's light in me. And, and I love it all because if I didn't, I wouldn't be me. Right. And I think, you know, for us as spiritual and holistic and healers and everything, um, that's the biggest key is you have to love yourself warts and all and be able to move forward with that and, and to be able to help others. And, um, you know, at this time with, with as insane as things are right now, and that's why we're here is to help others, you know, and help others awaken, help others, you know, move forward, you know, and, and do something with this chaos that's around us. Because at the same time, you know, with our own individual struggles, when we look at what's going on in the world around us, we have to understand that our world is evolving and transitioning too. So our world is almost like it's going through the dark night of the soul and what's going to come out on the other end. So, I mean, when we're feeling, oh my God, I can't take this anymore. And why is it like this? And it's so horrible and there's people dying and it's just not good. It's the light and the dark fighting. I mean, you know, we're going through the dark night of the soul. And I mean, when I did my ayahuasca work, it was the same thing. Like mother Aya, she would say to me, you know, I said to her, I says, you know, why is it, why am I not seeing all this horrible stuff that everybody told me be prepared for because you're going to go through the dark night of the soul. And she, you know, cause it was all pretty and flowers and, you know, and she looked at me and she said, well, if you want ugly, I can do ugly. And she gave me a flash and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good with the pretty stuff. I, I can do that. And she <laughs> said, you know, and I said to her, why, why is it that I don't have this horrible thing that everybody's you know told me about to be prepared for and she says I think you've done enough work that we can keep this lighthearted. we can do the work but we can keep it lighthearted. we don't have to get ugly grotesque visions and things like that in order to do the work so you know I guess in that respect when I'm talking to people and they're going through that stage of their life they're digging up all those demons it's you know you can dig up those demons and you can go through with them. And I mean, it's what's happened to you. It's not who you are. So, you know, let pick your point in the future and move through it. And it's like, we've all done things we regret. We've all done things that weren't nice. We've all been horrible people and everything like that. So, but it's who we are. If you can be a better person, better healer, better, whatever, on the other side of that, then you know, yeah, love your warts, love your scars, because, you know, it's what happened to you. It's not who you are. You have a choice of who you want to be. So, and that's one of the big things that, you know, Mother Aya taught me, as well as the connections, you know, with the land and everything else like that. But that was one of the big things that came out of it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely spot on and fantastic for my experience as well. But I think that um, yeah. goes back to where almost to the beginning where we started this, where the 1% can change the energies of the whole world. Right. So it's awesome that the conversation has gone right back to the beginning and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> you bet for sure. Well, we're at just about the end of our time here. So I think that was an absolutely fantastic chat. And I really think that the listeners are going to, be super, super happy with that and get a lot out of it. And, you know, just thank you for coming on, Holly. That was, uh, that was very enlightening and a, a wonderful conversation. And well, how thank you will very I, much for having me, Azriel. I appreciate it. How do our listeners get in touch with you for more? Well, uh, unfortunately, my webpage isn't built yet. <laughs> so uh, if we have any web designers out there who uh, are 
willing to do some bartering and hog trading, I'm willing to listen and discuss with you. So, uh, yeah, but uh, you can connect with me on Facebook. Uh, we do have off-grid apocryphary and botanicals is the one page that we have up there. Um, I do have my private page on Facebook as well. I'm kind of trimming it down to just friends and family and, and close people. But I mean, if you'd like to reach out and talk to me on Messenger on there, I don't have an issue with that at all either. Um, we also have our email, which is, I actually, what I'll do is I'll send it to you, Azrael, and then you can post it up yeah. later because um, I have to click the screen in order to dig it out. <laughs> I haven't remember memorized it offhand yet. Um, but it's different than the one that I've been conversing with you on. So, okay. um, yeah. And yeah, Facebook, Instagram, I'm on Instagram as well. Uh, there again, I'll send that connection to you because there again, I just changed, um, the name on there. So, okay. um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not too up on my social media stuff. <laughs> That's okay. Send the info and Azariel will put that on the link so that any more questions people have for you, they can reach out to you. Yep. Yeah, well, thank you awesome. very much for having me. You bet. Thanks for coming.